Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Technology Leadership Podcast, hosted by me, Jake Whitby, and sponsored by TechSource, Germany's and Europe's leading technology and product recruitment company. And today I'm joined by a very interesting guest, Maximilian Vec, who is Head of Engineering at Gina AI. Welcome, Maximilian. Hey, Jake, uh, thanks for having me on the show and I'm curious about what we will talk about in the next 45 minutes. Well, yeah, we will definitely get into that. Don't worry. And today's episode is really kind of what the technology leadership podcast encompasses, leadership, growing into leadership, hints and, and tips from Max kind of getting into that role and also the skills and tips that we need to grow when we're moving through the career, our career ladder, let's say, within the technology space. So first and foremost, Matt, so you're head of engineering at Gina AI. What are you doing? Yes, at Gina, we have two departments and I'm leading one of the departments. And in this department, we try to advance AI and to train models and also bring them then to our customers. And here I'm leading two to three teams. It's a one team is a little bit of a mixture and I have below me two team leads and then in total around 20 people, 20 engineers, software engineers are mostly and two product managers. And yep, I lead them and try to make them as effective as possible. I think that is my main role. Make sure that they are effective and they can do their job well. Spoken like a true leader, the Hemlax. And this is, I believe, one of your first kind of leadership roles. Is that correct from our past conversations? Yes. Uh, in Gina, I became, uh, perhaps I go a little bit back in my what I did before. First, I worked at, at Zalando, and there I was uh, working in pricing and search, and I uh, was the junior engineer, then became an engineer, then senior engineer, so the typical roles. I had like small projects that I led, but never people. So I, there I was like, okay, I had a project that I should move forward, and then I first worked with one or two other people together, but not in a sense of leading a team. And I deliberately also tried to not be a leader there because I wanted to get my software skills and software game really high before I go into a leadership position that as a leader, I know what I'm talking about. And then I joined Gina and here I also was first a senior software engineer, mostly because of the fact that we were eight people and there was no point to have a team lead. And then when we grow with more people, I became a team lead and uh, quite quickly we discovered, okay, we actually need all half a year or a year later, we need the head level, some more we need some department level. And then I became a department lead or head of department. So quick rise into kind of leadership then in your current role, let's say. I know you've had a kind of a career before that. So you joined Gina, you led projects, but never people. Why do you think then you were the best kind of candidate to grow into that role compared uh, to candidates on the market, internal candidates as well? What are, I guess what I'm trying to get to, what are the attributes do you think showed in your earlier career that kind of allowed you to move into this leadership role now and led to the success of the role that you're in. Yes, before I go to the attributes, one short comment. So uh, the two of the founders knew me already from Zalando. And so they wanted me also for this role from the very beginning. It was not that I proved in Gina that I'm uh, fit for the team lead. They knew from the very beginning they want me in this position at some point. But I think that the main attribute is I like to talk with people. And I like to figure out when people disagree, why they disagree and what are the different opinions and how to make sure that they agree at some point and find some common ground. I think that's one of my biggest strengths that I can listen to people, understand their perspective. And when two people have different perspectives, why they clash and make sure they somehow we can find middle ground that makes both of them productive and not always both of them happy. Sometimes it's just you need to make a decision and go with one. But at least I can understand where is the problem and why don't things go forward and why people have problems in their communication. And also over time learned quite nicely how to 
phrase things that someone listened for quite some time before I raise my voice because I understand why people talk or say what they say. How can I convince them to, that their position is wrong? Because what I discovered in the past is often when I'm talking with people, they say something and I try to counter their point. But before I understand from which direction they come, it's really hard to counter their point. And yeah, I think this is one of the skills that I acquired, countering people or giving people good counter arguments again, what really moves them. So a couple of points there, which I think is really good. You shown good attributes in a previous role for people to want you to come and head up a department, which I want to get into as well. But then obviously communication, and this is a skill that people bring up time and time again on the podcast. It's communication, but also how do I get other people to listen to me, to get my point of view? So I'd like to put a scenario to you then, Max, and help us learn. That's what we're all about on the podcast. So I'm in a role in a business. We're building something. We're discussing something. I've got a difference of opinion on with, with someone on the team. I know my viewpoint is better for the team. The technical issues, it's scalable, it's faster, it's not going to break in the future. Loads of different reasons. But how does someone communicate this better? How does someone, from your experience, and even how do you communicate, like what you said, to get to a common ground? How do we then have a kind of an intellectual conversation, let's say, to get to move forwards so nobody's feeling annoyed, you're not having to raise your voice, you're not getting frustrated at them? Yes. So first of all, if people are already very stressed in this meeting because there's time pressure or whatever, then uh, so I usually try to then, then someone must just make a decision and then make the other stick to it. But that's a very unfortunate situation. So usually I try then to get some time to calm down, to somehow make sure that I have the right mindset to think about what I want to do. I think in couple therapy, actually, there is this part where you say, okay, couples should not, when their heart rate is above I don't know, 90 beats per minute, 100 beats per or some beats per minute, and they should stop talking, relax, and then start talking again. Otherwise, they will anyhow just be in a defensive and attack mode and will not be in a, in a rational mode where they can really discuss things. And I think that's true for business as well. So if you have people that are in a, in a very rush mode, that are uh, their heart rate is really high, they will not make sense of what you say to them. They will just be defensive. But that's not the state you want them into. You first want to make sure they're in a state where they actually listen to you. So either by just interrupting the meeting and say, okay, stop here, let's make half an hour pause, or to try to uh, calm your voice yourself, which is very hard when your heart rate yourself is uh, high, but this is something that is trainable, let's say direct communication or non-direct communication skills, but rather passive skills, things like, okay, observing how is the communication currently going and make sure that uh, I set up the uh, right spot for uh, discussing my point. And only then uh, it makes sense to actually bring your important points, make sure that the other person really listens before you bring your points. And it happened to me a lot that I brought really good points, in my opinion, but nobody listened because they were not in the right state of mind. And so the more I try to convince people, the more I shut up and don't talk and try to just talk when I'm sure, okay, now they really want to listen to what I'm saying and are um, ready to digest what I'm saying. How to achieve this? The first thing, sh uh, shut up and uh, listen. I really like from the Knowledge Pro Project podcast with Marshall Goldsmith. I think it's episode 142. There, his main advice was shut up and listen. And just, just, someone just first understand really where the others are and where's their emotional state, where's their intellectual state, and then make sure you find the right spot to bring your argument. But then, especially if you have two very knowledgeable people and they fundamentally disagree. And uh, funnily enough, I just had this in my department. They were two very smart, but came from a completely different world. One came from the pure software Python development. One came from the DevOps world. And they solved this problem at completely different levels. And so it's really hard for them to find the right middle ground. And I think then at some point I need to step in and say, or, and say okay, 
I decide what to do because uh, you will not found a common way together. We need to figure out what is the best level of uh, architecture that we solve this problem because you two will not figure it out together. And then it's just more or less stepping in and, and overriding the decision. But that's very rare. I try to have this as rare as possible. So I think uh, when you want to convince people, it's first calm down, relax, stop talking and calm your voice and have yeah. a quick break. Listen to their points. And if you can't find a common ground in a decent time, then quickly get over the, the points and make a decision in order to move on and not uh, be forever in a wait loop or discussion loop, but at some point, we'll finish it off. Awesome. So calm down, relax, shut up and listen. And then also bring someone in if there's actually no common ground. Yes. Interesting, which is very rare, but needs to happen um, sometimes because we don't want to spend days on a decision. We need to move forward quickly. A lot of this kind of communication styles that we've talked about could really come down to one skill that we've spoken previously about social intelligence. And I think this is not just an important topic for people to grow their skills in, even just a leader, but for someone to grow in a business and become a maybe senior figure in the tech team and, and the business and grow your career. I think probably social intelligence is probably one of the number one skills. Tell me your thoughts about that and, and social intelligence. And also, how have you, I guess, used your social intelligence to get the point that you're in? And obviously used it a lot at Zalando as well, because the people you're working with already wanted you to come on and, and head up their department. Yes. Yeah, so uh, for me, the most important part of social intelligence is to understand people's motivations and targets and understand somehow what they want to achieve. So usually what I do when I talk to people the first time, and I'm some of their superior in some sense, but even if not, I try to understand, okay, what do they actually want? So I'm very frank there. Uh, whenever I have my first one-on-one with people, usually it's 15 or 30 minutes, depending uh, how close I work with them. And my question is very simple. Where do you want to be in three years? What do you want to currently do? What is fun for you? And what do you really hate working or don't like at work? Just to understand, okay, what is your point and where are you? And then I understand, okay, are these people like that are not so... How to call it, not so social or people that are very technically and have a very technical mind. Then I know, okay, perhaps I never want them in a leading position, at least in a close ter- term. And uh, let's see if they develop over time, but at least closely, I don't want them to have any control over other people or any. To, uh, whenever I have a conversation with these people, I need to make sure there is someone who also has social intelligence in the conversation. Or when I see, okay, these are people that can very well communicate and but perhaps don't have the technical background, I need to make sure that whenever they communicate about something and want to bring a project forward, I put someone that's really technically close to them. But you need both skills, right, in your team. And it's rare that you find both skills on a very high level in one person. So you need to balance this across your teams. And so for me, the social intelligence, how I acquire this is I talk to people and I try to find out their motivations and have have a lot of conversations with people. And the lead, somehow, I I feel like my main role is to make sure that people work well together and they're unblocked. And for this, I need to understand what they need and how they work well. And the, the only way to, or the most efficient way for me is to be very honest and frank and ask, be very frank and just ask and tell also, okay, I need this knowledge, tell me. And whatever I trust you, whatever you say there, because doubting what you're saying would mean that I trust, don't trust you from the very beginning. I think which is very unfo- unfortunate if you don't trust your coworkers. And if they know that, that this is also a burden for them and they need to somehow give me a true answer and that I will also act upon this answer, this builds a lot of trust in short time. And then what I usually do is all six to 12 months, with all my directs and skip directs, I have more often conversations with them. But every six to 12 months, I ask them again, okay, what do you currently like to work? Where do you want to be at some point in time to see if there are any updates and see if this is still coherent with what they said before? 
that I know, okay, in which state are all the people that work with me. And yeah, it's a little bit more difficult with the people above me. I see a lot of actions from them, so I can observe them much better because I need to observe what they do because somehow I get what I work to, should work at from them. So there it's more just observe, observing how they behave and how I should interact with them. There you go. For the progress of the company and the team then, you, you mentioned there it's a little bit more difficult for people above you. So when you mentioned kind of watch them, can you expand on this? Because in terms of kind of the social intelligence in the workplace and, and using the scale to help progress the team, you have to manage people on the same level as you, manage people below you, but also manage upwards. How is it difficult with people above you and what can we do to help better the progress of the business? So I think for me, the main point is that they have, motivations and this was already back in Solano when I was just an engineer I had the same problem that some of the uh, leads usually see or the higher someone's up sees more things on, on a more high level and have more understanding why we move a certain project in a certain direction and uh, they cannot always disclose this and sometimes they just don't have the time to to explain all this in, in great detail and it is not so easy to get a full picture uh, about what are their motivations uh, all the time. I think this, and sometimes you need to guess and somehow, or just accept that you can't, or I need to accept that I can't somehow get 100% information about this, but just trust them that their decision as well is good. So in the end, I want that the people above me somehow also take actions that push forward what I'm doing with my department. Yeah. And for this, I need to give them the right inputs. And also I need to understand when to give these inputs. When do they listen exactly? So when I see the CEO is coming from a board meeting and, or is preparing for a board meeting, there's no point to bring my points in. It's just the wrong point in time. So I need to see, okay, when is this person, when is my CEO relaxed? When I can I go to him and, and I'm sure he really is in a listening state that I can bring my points and then also get valuable feedback from him. When he's not in a, in a relaxed or in a state where he can halfly CEOs, I guess, never relaxed, but relaxed enough that I can get good answers. I think this is then the, the social intelligence that you need upwards when to talk to people. Whereas downwards can enforce the communication more, at least in my situations like this. So... It's really an important skill then to be able to manage people, manage up, manage down and help the company progress in the route that we're going down. So it's not just for leaders then to use this skill to help them progress in their role at the moment. It's for everyone from juniors to mids to, you know, even CTOs. What do you think could maybe be the kind of key steps to progressing this skill, let's say, and, and cultivating this skill? it's not something that's really learned or taught that much. You usually learn from failures and, and yeah, learning through errors in, in your path, in your career. So what would be the kind of three steps you would take to improve this skill? Yeah, I think for me, at least, the most important part was to have uh, decently good hard skills in engineering because that builds trust downwards. So when there's an engineering discussion and I can make a valuable contribution it mustn't be often, but uh, once a month or sometimes more often, sometimes less often, but uh, somehow that, such that people see, okay, I know what I'm talking about and I understand their work to a certain degree, not in the full detail, but I can give long-term hints that these they see, okay, this, they are valuable over time. I think this is important and you can only do this when you have the hard skills. So in engineering, at least I'm a fan of people that know their craft and that somehow can bring the hard skills. The, the second thing that at least for me, I enjoy talking with people. So talk to people. Get yourself uh, in situations that you're comfortable is, uh, in and, and get to know people. 
for me, for example, I hate talking to people I don't know. I, I hate the first 30 minutes of every conversation with people I don't know. It's uh, horrible for me. I, I got used to it. And then now it's perhaps reduced to the first five minutes. So minutes are awkward. But I, I prefer to talk with people I know at least a little bit and that I can get more and more knowledge about them. So when I put myself in conversations, it was usually in, in Zalando and in-house meetups and in-house uh, conversations where I could talk with people and improve my communication or just exercise my communication skills. <laughs> I did, didn't like, for example, to go to public meetups too much because it's just an environment where I don't feel very comfortable. And yeah, this is not where I want to be. And I also as a lead in my company, I think the most effective thing is that I improved the in-house com- uh, conversations and communication and not so much the outbound communication. That's just not my skill. And learn what is your skill and where you, but if you don't like to talk to people, then leadership most probably is not for you, but learn where you to talk, like to talk to people. And then what I also did is deliberately took time to reflect on other people's positions and understand, okay, where do they come from? What, why do are they where they are? And really it's more take myself sometimes an hour, a walk for an hour or so, or on the way back from the office to home in the train to think about, okay, why do they argue as they argue? How do I, can I counter them? How would, would they counter me again? Somehow playing these conversations because yeah, in the end, leadership is all about communication. We said this earlier and flexing the skills was at least for me very helpful. And from uh, how to grow into leadership, I was very lucky about when I joined very early as a junior, like half a year or nine months into my job, I owned a small project, more or less, more or less end-to-end. And I could bring this, uh, somehow learn the managing of a project before I need to manage any person. I think this is also perhaps natural when you go into senior leader, when you, you stay longer to improve your hard craftsman skills, the engineering skills, that you own a project. But I would not go into a leadership role before I have owned some projects to know, okay, how do I manage them? When I go into a leadership role and I'm overwhelmed with all the people management and the people problems, then I'm not at, at the same time overwhelmed with uh, project problems. And what I can recommend is find yourself someone more junior than you and try to coach them. Try to just uh, get in a conversation and try to help them and just without anything you want back. The only thing you get back is learnings, but just try to, to coach someone and help them in growing. And this will also show you if you're capable of effectively coach someone and also which personalities you're capable to coach. I think some great insights there, Max. Thanks very much. If you don't mind, I would go back to go back for to social intelligence topic for a short moment. There is one thing that is dear to my heart that I think I haven't mentioned in the pre-discussions. Absolutely. Um, one thing is more figuring out the motivation, motivation, but also figuring out their state. So people will sometimes perform crazily. But nobody, at least nobody I know, always performs on top of their game. I think that's totally natural and that's normal. And I find, at least my observation, we don't talk about enough about, okay, people will have high output phases and low output phases. And for me, it's important to understand the low output phases, is it because of work environment? They need to fix it. Or is it because they have some private, whatever they have, might be health issues, might be whatever. Girlfriend, boyfriend issues, might be family issues or whatever else. The dog died. There are a lot of reasons why people will perform lower for a certain amount of time. But for me, it's very important to figure out, okay, is it a work thing? Can I fix it or can I not fix it? And if I can't fix it, I shut up and let's say, okay, it's fine. You can take your time, get ready. I know you performed nicely beforehand or I know you can, you can do great things. Take your time to recover and then we, we will shine again. And just somehow, and also myself, I've seen in the past all their cycles of productivity. And I feel with also the whole pressure that coming from LinkedIn, never, you only see the great things, rather seldom the not so great things of people. You don't see when people are not productive, only when they're productive. This creates a lot of pressure. And I think it's important to say no. Not everybody performs always. Uh, nobody performs always. Doesn't happen. 
And I feel that's a, I'm glad you touched upon that because I feel that's a big part of the social intelligence is understanding what state someone's in and then being able to reply to that in, in what you think is the best course. Because if someone's on top of their game and we're rested, we, we may be a couple of weeks from a holiday, we're in, in the zone, we're, yeah, really kind of feeling on top of, of, of our craft, let's say, we can get things done maybe quicker, decisions can maybe get quicker, the, the heads are not as foggy. But say we're a bit exhausted and we're not on top of our game and someone's coming to me and talking to me the same way as they were when I was on top of a game, they're going to get a different reaction out of me. And I think as a good leader, as you mentioned, as a good leader and just someone in a team, you need to be able to notice that. And that is part of social intelligence as well. And I think a lot of people notice it, but they start directly to, okay, how to improve it? How can I improve it? But sometimes you as a lead, you can't improve it if it's something personal. And this is also as a tech, as an engineer, usually you try to solve your problems directly. But there you need to wait until it becomes better. Sometimes you, you just cannot. And this, mm. I think this is really hard for, especially people coming out of tech to accept that, no, it, it, it's a garden. It's not a house that you build. It's a garden that you grow and you need to wait until it is there again. I like that saying that it's the, not a house that you build, it's the garden that you grow. That's, um... I just read it yesterday on LinkedIn. So that's <laughs> there you go. It's not, it's not Maximilian. It's not copyrighted Maximilian. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think this is one thing we mentioned before we went back to the social intelligence there was how you got into your leadership role. You mentioned Lando and you also mentioned owning small projects end to end. How do you get given those projects though? How do I put my hand up for those projects? How do I go and sniff out projects to do? Because we always get told the best. The best workers don't, or the best people in a team don't just sit around and wait for work to be given to them. They know their role in their business. They know where the business is going. What can they do to help get there? So some of the times it's almost bringing a project to your team. If you see there's a gap there or there's projects being handed out. How, as an individual, growing into a leadership role or just as, a, as an engineer or PM, how do you get? to that position where you're trusted enough to own projects end-to-end? -end. It's very much differs. And I just had a very interesting conversation with one of my engineers. And he said to me, in hindsight, I fully agree, there's a big difference between AI, when you do somehow AI research and to try to train, for example, models and, and figure out how things work there, and when you do engineering. And I would say in AI, as a junior, you can be very effective because you have the latest knowledge of what happened and you can sometimes just suggesting, can I have here a small project? Can I experiment a little bit, ask for a little bit of freedom? Don't too much, but if I'm pushed and forward, I think you can, as a junior, you can get a lot of impact. And that's because in, in AI, it's more important to have the latest knowledge than the best practices. But when it comes to engineering, as a junior, it's ra relatively hard because even if you chip, uh, have a small project that you want to push forwards, uh, junior people lack the craftsmanship to really push it quickly forward because they don't know how to push an engineering project quickly forward, right? what to do, how to set up CI/CD correctly, or ignore it, when to not do it, and just somehow uh, make a small prototype. And so there, I think the best thing is to uh, team up with a senior. Find a time by get a senior that somehow has a similar idea, snuck away a little bit of time, I don't know, some hours a week, usually you can get out of a lead, at least in, in the environment I worked in. You can always find the time that you have four, six, 
uh, hours a week uh, to work on a side project. Not all year long, but usually for some months, people uh, can do this. And uh, find yourself a partner, a more senior partner that helps you accelerate your project very quickly and make then a small prototype, whatever you want to, sh uh, to do and then show this. I believe this is more effective. And ideally, the senior is also not very new in the company and knows whom to convince. This is again a social game. You need to understand who you need to convince and whom to talk to. And so one is a senior people, a person from the engineering skill that helps you a little bit. Two hours of, I, I once had a, uh, in Zalando, a two-hour consultancy with Henning Jacobs, which is one of the absolute uh, senior back-end architects there. And in this two hours, I learned more than, I don't know, in three, uh, three weeks of self, uh, somehow coaching or self-learning, because it was just so effective to uh, get uh, knowledge from someone senior when they take some time for you. And ask them. To take some time for you. Don't do this too much, but a little bit. At the and right time as well. Ask them at the right time. Yes. <laughs> and then not ask them, not for uh, when you ask them once, not again, directly, uh, one week later. Ask, ask them perhaps half a year later or so. And don't overdo this, but uh, do this in a way where you feel like, okay, I get some information, but I don't overdo it. And engineers, in my experience, are super helpful. When you ask them for their experience, they are more than happy to give it to you. And I, I guess this is also in other crafts. I don't know, but in engineering, it's super easy to get help. Awesome. So we're progressing our career. You're progressing your career. People are listening and progressing their career. Everybody's progressing their career. Now, we're looking to progress into leadership, technology leadership podcast, and that's what we do. We help the future leaders of tomorrow. If you look back on your earlier career in your early parts of Zalando, what would you say to your early self would be the kind of five steps we should be taking to move into the position that you're into today? I think I touched on this uh, uh, earlier. So I think get your hard skills re ready is the first thing. Then I would say to myself now, calm down. Don't try to be a senior as fast to, uh, because when you're a junior, you can learn so much more and you can take so much more time to learn and uh, the, because the expectations to you are not so big. So when you're a junior, the expectations are, okay, you, you provide some some input and also sometimes really good input, but there's not this, you plan a project and so on. So take this time. I'm a little bit sorry for my lead back then, but I pushed a lot for, okay, ah, I already have this small project here. Mm -hmm. I push it forward. Why am I a lot a senior engineer already? It's like, yeah, no, it would have been better if I, I would have not pushed for it and, and learned even more there. So that's, I think the first thing. Uh, second, as I said before, uh, talk to people especially if you want to go into leadership at some point, talk to people and experience, try to coach someone and experience, are you capable of coaching people? And is this effective? And can you really help people going moving forward? And understand, do you really talking to people? Because when you're a lead, that's what you do. <laughs> Most of the time, communicate with people, not necessarily always talking. And do you really enjoy this? Um, yes, own a small project and take, try, take time to understand other people's positions. I think this is, from my perspective, what makes sense in order to progress into a leadership role? So within the last few years then, we, we've discussed social intelligence, communication, talking to people, all the kind of soft skills and hard skills that make someone effective in their careers and grows into the position that we're in. But what would you say is one of the biggest factors then to being able to get to, to where you're at today? After the first two years I was junior, I think the biggest factor was to just take time and just somehow do what is fun for me, do what I enjoy doing and try to get there better and better. And I think it's the only way to really do what you do in a good way. Mm -hmm. If you don't like what you do, or at least for me, if I do things that I don't like to do, I'm usually really bad at it. And so yeah, doing what I like to do and figuring out my strengths and 
also, huh, haven't thought about this, figuring out how I work. So uh, for example, in different things, I work uh, differently. When I code, I like to be alone. So when I was an engineer, I like to really focus fully, the music on my ears, no talking to anyone. When I write concept papers for or write some of the, I want to do something new, write down text. I prefer to work with people, someone in tandem or in pair, pair writing, pair programming, in programming, pair programming, but also for text writing. I figured out, okay, I'm much more effective when I write with someone together. When I write something on my own, it's two hours and it's shit. When I write with someone else, it's 30 minutes and it's one page that is really good. So uh, I'm f figuring out how, you, how I work effective, I think, and, and uh, reflecting on this regularly. Not too regularly, to not over-engineer there, but uh, yeah, regularly. I think that made me where I am now, or, or who I am now, and that gave me then the trust of my of founders of uh, Gina, that so they want uh, to have me. So. so we're progressing in our role, progressing in our leadership role, progressing in just life in general and in our career. Now, what would you say are the kind of first few steps to be able to grow into the position that you're into today? Yes, I think that the first thing is get your hard skills ready. Get your somehow and understand what you're working on, which area you want to lead. Later on, you may switch there. I, I know a lot of people know stories about people that switch roles. But first of all, get good in what you're doing because this will build trust later on that people trust you in your leadership position. So that's what you should do. And then go ahead and, and learn more things. For me, it was one learning that I have in hindsight. I pushed too quickly for a senior position. And I should have stayed longer in a junior position where I have time to learn because in a, in a senior, you have expectations, what you want to achieve. And as a junior, you don't have these expectations. And then see, okay, can I coach people? Try to coach people. Also learn this skill again, how you somehow, how to talk to people, how to coach people. And I think for me, it's a constant, okay, I see a problem. Sometimes I see the problem too late, but then I try to understand, okay, how can I solve it and learn a way around it and yeah, get my way around the obstacles in my, in my way. All great points. And I think uh, one thing I'd, I'd like to add to there as well was something that really kind of was big in my, I wish I knew earlier on in my career probably was figuring out how you like to work. Fair point. So that's for me, when I code, for example, I like to work in an environment where I just listen to music, where I'm solitary, more or less. I, I don't want any distractions because I need to get a lot of code into my head and my short, in my memory loaded to have the full context. But it's different when I write uh, text, for example. Then uh, I can, when I do it in solitary, I take two hours and it takes a shitty. When I work with uh, someone uh, together and we pair more or less, and, uh, so I write this text together, it's 30 minutes and the text is much, much better than whatever you can achieve myself in two hours. And so I figure out which task I, I do in which state of mind. And when I see a social problem or when I see uh, someone, there's a communication problem, someone asks for something or there is... Uh, my, my CTO wants to achieve something and writes me, okay, I want to achieve this my strategy. And like, oh, how does it work? Take a walk. I go half an hour around the house and I uh, somehow, uh, play the whole communication in my head. And then I see how it works. I'm figuring out in which state do I do which task really well. I think this is also important. So also the one-on-ones. I touched on one-on-ones earlier that I do them with everyone. Um, there are one -on -one, the initial one-on-ones. They're usually always, I need my laptop in front of me because I need to take a lot of notes. But once I had three, four, five one-on-ones and I go to the office, I usually take people and say, okay, let's take a walk around. Let's take a half an hour walk and just talk while walking because it's a more relaxed atmosphere. This enables people to walk in a different way, but also uh, talk in a different way, not every time. But mm -hmm. So this is, uh, yeah, I think understand how you work best and how you uh, can digest all the information you get best. And I think that... Understand how you work best comes from the learning along the way. But in your early career, you don't know 
what time of day is your best or put in protocols, let's say, to get peak performance. And that's something I've been really working on, I'd say, this year in terms of mental health and what time of the day do we go to the gym and what's my kind of protocols of when I'm waking up and now I have a set routine to get me in that zone. Whereas when I was early in my career, I'd be roll out of bed and go into get to work and start working, really. I just got my third child six weeks ago, so I'm out of uh, regular routine. So routines are always distracted. <laughs> But I, I, yeah, I think I need to do this at some point when the child, uh, when my third child is big enough that I can get to a routine again. That is so, doable. We've spoken a bit about how you things we can work on in our career today. It's been a really insightful episode, I think, for kind of younger leaders or people that want into to grow into leadership. And I'd like to give Ghana some really good hard hard examples. What We, you've got to this point from learnings. A lot of time we learn from getting things wrong or failure. So this has been a very insightful episode, I think, for leaders and younger leaders and maybe kind of people wanting to progress into leadership, which is what we're all about here on the Technology Leadership Podcast. And something I'd, I'd love for you to be very honest on, you don't have to share things if you don't want to, if you don't feel comfortable, but what I've been mistakes you've had to overcome what are things that you've learned on your job throughout your career that we can quickly say to people hey if you can learn this without making those mistakes it might help your career a bit better yeah what has been some of the mistakes you've had to overcome maximilian if you can if you don't mind sharing them yeah i think the the worst thing that i'm still struggling with i'm getting better i got better but still struggling with this time management so i'm making sure that your structure as a lead you naturally with one-on-ones have more meetings for structure a day in a way that they i put my different energy levels to the right point of the day and this is something that i'm uh, constantly somehow shifting and uh, yeah i'm not yet found the perfect setup here but this is definitely something I, i struggle with and when i became head so companies usually have the differentiation between a head of whatever someone that leads the department and the architect that mm-hmm. leads the technologically adv- uh, somehow advanced and how to make decisions on technical uh, technological level and how to build systems and uh, i came with a full architect brain somehow so i thought a lot about okay how can we so architect software and how can we build things nicely and but i needed to switch to, to the head level and i was even though i had some quite social skills up front it, it took me quite some time to to switch this and especially to not go into too much detail so somehow to let the team figure out the details and really give the teams the room to make decisions and uh, don't overwrite them. I think this is something that, and, but still overwrite them at the right point, but uh, not all the time. And this is something that I'm got better, but I think this is, yeah, I, I need to, a uh, problem that I need to overcome and uh, let the team own their own decisions and then also let them fail. I think sometimes uh, you should not let always, them, or I should not always let them fail, but sometimes just also let them learn. And uh, this is, yeah, and let them grow and understand what they do and why they failed. And the last thing, which might be a nice ending for the podcast, is uh, to shut up. I think <laughs> this is also something that I need to learn to not always talk, to not always communicate everything, to deliberately, when you when I see a problem, I raise them always and someone try to fix all the problems immediately as a proper engineer does. And social problems, take the time, shut up, wait until you can fix it or don't fix it at all. Don't burn your energy there too much and uh, choose your battles. I think that's a, a great point to, to end on. Shut up and listen. We've said that a few times today. And one thing before we do finish, I, I'd love to just go back to what you said about time management, because as I just mentioned, it's something in my life and my career I've been really focusing on and looking to improve, especially in the day when I'm, I'm, I'm uh, performing better. Over the space of a few months, really after I've taken some time off, I know after maybe a couple of months, 
I'll start to maybe get exhausted. Not burnt out. There's a difference from being burnt out and exhausted, but not being able to perform 100%. And so I think with time management comes, what are the protocols that you can put in place? What are the habits that you can put in place daily to make sure, A, we're doing everything we need to every day, but also performing right, whether that's eating at certain times, eating the right foods, getting up and going for a walk. That's just something I'd like to really add there because it's what I've, I've been working on this for what I would say a few years now. And having them set protocols in place, I feel helps me every day, week on week, to be able to yeah, manage my time better and perform better. I 100% agree. I think you should make a podcast episode with yourself where you talk about how you make it, figure this out for yourself. And we kind of fully agree. And uh, yeah, I cannot give much input, but I agree. Yeah, I feel kind of performance is something that I've really been looking into. So yeah, maybe it is something that I talk about on a separate episode. So Maximilian, it's been great to have you on the show. I really enjoyed your insights into what makes a great tech leader. How I like to always finish off, you're in the AI space as well. A lot of people have been saying AI about this, but answering this question about AI, what do you think are the biggest challenges to us in the tech industry right now? When it comes to AI, I think it's expectation management. So uh, GPT showed us so much capabilities in the past year that were so surprising that so everybody that, that raised the expectations a lot. And now somehow setting that expectations right again, I think is a challenge that we really have in the AI industry and someone make it saying, okay, you can achieve this to a certain degree, um, but only because you were very well in text understanding and text production doesn't mean that we can solve our problems. And I think this is uh, something that we will struggle in the next year. Mm -hmm. And I think since there are so many changes and so many breakthroughs currently happening, I think managing the fear of missing out in the team is very important. So from leadership perspective, to make sure that the team is not in constant struggle to believe, okay, oh, we will not make it because someone else will just uh, overtouble us. And somehow enabling the team to focus on what they do well and without them having constant fear about our company, business will go down. Because when it will go down and you focus on something, that will anyhow go down. But if you don't focus uh, on something, then uh, you will... Uh, definitely fail because uh, you cannot do 10 things great, especially as a startup. And I think that's a great point to finish on. There you go, Max. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very well, much for your lot. time. I hope the listeners have enjoyed this episode. Very insightful. Lots of kind of key points, key actionable insights we like to call them. So thank you for your time. Thanks for listening. Thanks a lot for having me. It was a pleasure. You're very welcome. Take care.